Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and this week we'll be recapping Week 12 action within college football, and we'll also preview Week 13. There was some exciting action this weekend, and I can't wait to dive into all of that with you all on this podcast, so why don't we just hop right in, and we'll start this episode off with my recap of Week 12 locks within the Power 5 conferences. So in the ACC, I had NC State over Liberty. And my beloved NC State Wolfpack got the one-point victory over Liberty by a score of 15-14. to This was actually my third choice for the ACC matchup this week, as the other games were postponed. And we'll get into that a little bit later on this podcast. But we're seeing that each week, games are being postponed or canceled. And this week in the ACC, we had a couple... I think there was also one cancellation. So this is just going to be an ongoing trend and theme within college football as we move forward into the season. NC State, they were lucky to get the win, if I'm being honest. The Wolfpack were penalized 14 times for 123 yards, which you all know if you've been listening to this podcast that I do not like the penalties and excessive penalties especially are a no-no. That's how you lose games. And the Wolfpack were lucky to hold on for the victory. It actually took a blocked field goal attempt in the waning seconds of this game for the Wolfpack to secure the victory over a ranked Liberty squad. I think coming into this matchup, they were ranked 21st in the AP poll. They're an independent team, and they've been playing tremendously this entire season. I think they also have uh, an ACC victory uh, over Syracuse. So it's crazy that, uh, that Liberty has more wins than FSU within the conference. So that's just, that's crazy. NC State's defense came up big in this game. They had three turnovers, so the Wolfpack live on to see another day. I get the victory in the ACC this week for my Power 5 locks. If you look at the Big Ten, I had Ohio State over Indiana, and Ohio State got the victory 42-35. to This was also my second choice in the Big Ten as the other game that I had chosen, I believe I want to say it was Maryland versus Michigan State, had been canceled. So this was my backup choice. I I picked Ohio State, and I said on the podcast last week, if Indiana can keep it close, I think that's a moral victory for this program. And they kept it extremely close in the end. I mean, hats off and good effort by Indiana in the second half to respond back to Ohio State after being down 28-7 at the end of the first half. Indiana scored 28 points in the second half while shutting Ohio State out of the end zone the entire fourth quarter. So you got to be proud of that effort. However, the Hoosiers weren't able to overcome Ohio State's lead. Indiana's quarterback Michael Penix Jr. threw for 491 yards with five touchdowns and one interception. Justin Fields threw for 300 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. It's crazy because I think Justin Fields had three interceptions all of last season. And the fact that he threw three interceptions in this game really shows that the Hoosiers were getting after it and were getting after him and putting pressure on him to make those mistakes. So, I mean, you got to be proud of Indiana's effort, even though they weren't able to get the victory. I do want to call out that Ohio State's running back, Master Teague, the third, 
ran for 169 yards on 26 carries with two touchdowns. And Ohio State's wide receiver Garrett Wilson was the, the leading receiver of the day for the Buckeyes, who he caught seven balls for 169 yards and two touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, Indiana's Ty Freifogel. That name will never not be great. Freifogel. He caught seven balls for 218 yards and three touchdowns. So he had a tremendous effort for Indiana. And another stat that I want to call out that I found really interesting was that Ohio State held Indiana to minus one rushing for the entire day. So great win out of the Big Ten for me. Ohio State gets that victory, but Indiana, again, they are a team that has been playing really well this season, and they've been hanging in these games. They hung in this game at the end of the second half there. Close, but not not close enough. In the Big 12, I had Oklahoma State over Oklahoma, the Bedlam series, and I thought Oklahoma State would snap its streak, its losing streak against Oklahoma, but that wasn't the case this season. Oklahoma beat up on little brother by a score of 41 to 13 Oklahoma has now won the last six matchups between Oklahoma State that's crazy and I do want to read you some tweets that I found on Twitter from Brett McMurphy about this game potentially being canceled due to COVID and the tweets from Brett McMurphy are as follows Lincoln Riley confirms report that the game was in jeopardy because of Oklahoma's COVID numbers. He declines to go into more detail than that. Uh, And then we have another tweet from Brett McMurphy. Because of COVID concerns at Oklahoma, there were discussions as late as Thursday with Big 12 about postponing Oklahoma State game and instead having Oklahoma State play Baylor earlier on Saturday. However, it was ultimately determined that the Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State game could be played on Saturday night. So they were potentially thinking about doing some shuffling to the schedule because COVID concerns at Oklahoma. I guess fortunately the game was able to continue and they were actually able to go along with the plans to have that game uh, later that night. So it's just interesting to see the effects of, of COVID all across conferences We've seen cancellations, postponements, and this Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State matchup would have been no different had it been postponed. But I I couldn't have been any more wrong on this prediction. I thought Oklahoma State would have had all that juice this season to finally beat Oklahoma, but I was wrong. Oklahoma State's offense couldn't really get anything going. The rushing attack was limited to only 78 total yards. Running back Chuba Hubbard only had 44 yards on eight carries, which is not going to help with productivity for Oklahoma State. Not going to help open up that offense when you're able to limit Chuba Hubbard, who is a tremendous running back, to only 44 yards. So not uh, not not really a good effort uh, from the offense at all from Oklahoma State this week. But I do want to call out that Oklahoma's running back Ramondre Stevenson. That's a very unique first name. Ramondre Stevenson rushed for 141 yards on 26 carries. So Oklahoma was able to run all over Oklahoma State. The offense was in full effect. They were able to get that victory over Oklahoma State, a team that I thought had a good shot of potentially winning the Big 12 this season. Oklahoma did everything it could to prevent that from happening. And so, you know, nice win for the Sooners. Unfortunately, it sucks because that was my lock out of the Big 12 this week. In the Pac-12, I had Oregon over UCLA. I got the victory there, 38-35. to Oregon survives. Last week, if you listen to that podcast, I said, you know, the safe bet would be on Oregon this week. But UCLA was in this 
this contest all the way up to the end. The Bruins outgained Oregon in total yards, if you can believe that or not, 462 yards to 422, including an impressive rushing performance by Demetric Felton, who had 167 yards on 34 carries with two touchdowns. Oregon quarterback Tyler Show threw for 334 yards with three touchdowns. And I also want to call it the Bruins defense put a lot of pressure on Oregon in this game. Despite the loss, uh, the defense for the Bruins had four sacks and 10 tackle for losses. So this was a really, really close game. You know, I'm really fortunate that Oregon was able to hold on to survive a scare against UCLA. But that was my victory out of the Pac-12 for this week. And then in the SEC, I had Florida over Vanderbilt. The Gators got the victory 38-17. to In that matchup, Gators quarterback Kyle Trask balled out during the game, completing 26 for 35 for 383 yards and three touchdowns. Surprisingly, his performance against Vandy marked the first time this season in which Trask did not throw for at least four touchdowns in a game. Trask is in the hunt for the Heisman this year with the other front runners, including Ohio State's Justin Fields and Alabama's Mac Jones. So that brings my record for week 12 to 4 and 1 this week. Overall, when making these straight up locks, I am 41 and 8, which is about 84% accuracy if I'm rounding up, but those are my locks for this weekend, 4 and 1. This upcoming week for week 13 action, I'm going to try to go 5 and 0. And so, let's just run down those picks for week 13 right now. Within the Power 5 conferences, we have in the ACC, NC State over Syracuse. I don't know what it, what it is, but anytime I pick NC State in my locks, they usually come away with the victory. And this week should be no different against a Syracuse squad who is the worst in the conference with a 1-7 record. NC State has won the last 5 of 6 in this series. I'm expecting them to make that 6 of 7 this weekend. My Wolfpack will roll big. No doubt, NC State is knocking on the door of being ranked after this weekend, so this will be a really nice win to get them into the top 25. That's my hope. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Iowa over Nebraska. Iowa has won the last five in this series, and Nebraska hasn't looked that good this season at all, really. I don't expect Iowa to to struggle or to falter or to slip up at all this week against Nebraska. In the Big 12, I'm taking... Kansas State over Baylor, and I think that'll be a nice win for Kansas State. They've been playing really well this season. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Oregon over Oregon State. Oregon has beaten Oregon State five out of the last six meetings, so I think this will be a a nice victory for the Ducks this weekend. I originally had the Apple Cup as the game of this week, but as you know, that was canceled or postponed, so it's unfortunate that I won't won't be able to pick that game, but A replacement will be Oregon versus Oregon State. Again, I'm taking Oregon in that matchup. In the SEC, we have number one Bama over number 22 Auburn. It's the Iron Bowl. Bama has won five out of the last six meetings at home versus Auburn. Auburn currently is in third in the SEC West standings behind number five Texas A&M, who has played better than I thought they would this season. They had a little bit of a slow start to the season, uh, some people you know, were doubting whether Jimbo Fisher really is the man, and apparently he is because 
Texas A&M is number five, and they're they're number two behind Alabama in the standings. So that tremendous uh, tremendous effort by Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. But to get back to my earlier point, Bama scores the third most points per game in all of FBS at 49.4, while only giving up the 17th most points per game to its opponents at 19.3 points. I'm excited to see what quarterback Mac Jones can do in this game for Alabama. He's currently completing 77.1% of his passes for 2,426 yards, 18 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. So I'm taking Bama over Auburn. This should be a a memorable game, no doubt. I mean, they always seem to be really exciting matchups between these two teams in the Iron Bowl. So that's my lock out of the SEC. So let me run those back for you all one more time here. My Week 13 Power 5 locks are... In the ACC, NC State over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, Iowa over Nebraska. In the Big 12, Kansas State over Baylor. In the Pac-12, Oregon over Oregon State. And in the SEC, number one, Alabama over number 22, Auburn. So those were my predictions for week 13. Those are straight up predictions. I make them every week. Those will be 5-0 predictions for me. Hopefully 5-0 for you. And so it should be a fun weekend, no doubt. After this short timeout, after this quick break, I will get back on the other side and we will talk about some exciting things that happened this weekend in college football, including Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, continuing its win streak, including a victory from Illinois. Uh, We'll have my good friend Herb Lawrence stop by real quick to provide his thoughts on that game. But don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City, and I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. On this side of the break, we'll get into some news within college football from Week 12. We'll also preview a little bit of Week 13. So why don't we just go ahead and dive right in. I'm kicking this side of the break off with an update from the Illinois versus Nebraska game. Illinois got the victory on the road in Lincoln by a score of 41 to 23. Can you believe it or not? The Illini lost the last five games in Lincoln, and it's actually the first win for this program at Lincoln, Nebraska since 1924. So since your grandparents were probably born and alive and young. A young cherry picking wasn't around at that time in 1924, but good golly, that is a long, long time ago. 
And so that's a great win for the program. Illinois continues to roll on. They're now riding a two-game win streak within the Big Ten. I can't do this justice. My good friend Herb Lawrence from 6-7 to the score did stop by to share his thoughts and feedback on the program and on this victory. So why don't we go ahead and toss it over to my good friend Herb Lawrence. Thank you. Amazing game by Lovey Smith and company. I was expecting the Illini maybe to hang in within the 16 points they were giving up or they were getting at the beginning of the game. And I told a friend uh, it might not be a good bet because Illini's defense has been suspect this year. Not the case today. I don't get the Luke McCaffrey thing, but he is terrible at a court, at quarterback. The Illini shut them down pretty well with a defense that hasn't been playing well. The one thing that they do make happen is turnovers. Lovey ball. That's exactly why he wants to play. Get the team to turn the offense over. And they did it. I believe they did it five times today. So Lovey ball is in full effect. And then you got the MVPs of the game were the offensive line for the Illini. They ran for over 200 plus yards with Verdarian Lowe, Kendrick Green, Doug Kramer. I'm thinking Virtus Brown and a replacement, Julian Pearl, who's in there for Alex Pochelski, who is Paucho. He's the the probably the best NFL prospect they have on the line. Him and Kendrick Green will be playing on Sundays uh, probably next year. So he's out for this year. But Julian Pearl stepped up big time and did a great job. The whole line did a great job of blocking for the running backs back there with uh, Brown and Epstein doing a great job running the ball. And then getting your senior leader quarterback back is awesome to see. And Brandon Peters is just that guy. He's got the combination of pass and run skills that are vital for a team like Illinois to succeed. This is the team I expected to show up at Camp Brando the first year or the first game of the year when they got housed by Wisconsin. This team looks like he's rounding into shape. Lovey's getting his boys playing exactly how he needs to be. Now, Northwestern, I mean, Nebraska's no great shakes. But, hell, they put their pants on the same way the line I do, the same way the Wisconsin Badgers do, same way Purdue and Minnesota do. That team out there in line I, in Lincoln, Nebraska, really showed out. That was a, a joy to see the whole day long. So I'm not expecting this type of effort next week for Ohio State. If they can hang within the points given, I'll be very happy because Ohio State's another level. But beating Nebraska like this on the road, it's always good. Didn't those people want to play football so desperately? Want to play football so desperately so you can get housed by Illinois at the crib? Come on now. And Herb's right. Nebraska was one of those teams out of the Big Ten this season, this offseason, who were pounding the drum to play football this season. The other teams being Michigan, Ohio State, and Iowa. But Nebraska was out there really being vocal about trying to play football this season, despite the fact that the Big Ten commissioner had canceled the fall season. And Illinois put out a fire tweet that I think they later deleted after the victory at Lincoln, where the athletic department said, and I quote, Good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing back Big Ten football. And that was fire. That's a mic drop type tweet. And it went viral. And it's the truth. It's crazy. You wanted to play football this season? Well, you're playing and you're getting your ass beat by Illinois. I thought it was funny. I thought it was perfect. 
and Illinois Athletics Twitter won the day. The football team won the game. So I, I just found that crazy. But thank you, Herb. Herb is a great follow on Twitter. He's been a great contributor to the show. So if you like that uh, feedback and that and that commentary from my good friend Herb Lawrence, stick around on the podcast uh, series. We'll try to incorporate more of Herb Lawrence's takes as we move along this season. The next news I want to get into is Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. They're balling out. Coach Fitzgerald, I think, is a great college football coach for that program specifically. He inspires his team really well. He inspires his players, and they get up each week. Last season, it you know was a, a disappointment, um, and that's certainly probably an understatement. But Northwestern is playing great football. They have a schedule that is uh, really winnable this season for Northwestern and the Wildcats. They're looking greatly improved from a year ago, and so hats off to Northwestern and Coach Fitzgerald for being undefeated at this point. The remaining part of their schedule is really manageable, really winnable. It's against teams that have losing records, so there's no reason why Northwestern couldn't win the Big Ten West this season. I mean, they legitimately have a path to the championship game this season against Ohio State, but I, you know, I wouldn't count out Illinois. I'm not saying that they will win this game, but that's a huge rivalry game at the end of the season, and if Coach Lovey Smith can get that program up against Northwestern, I mean, that could be a tremendous victory for that program to knock off Northwestern, who is red hot right now. And I think if they can do it, that's a great way to end the season. They'll most likely have a losing record this season if all things if things kind of play out the way that they probably should. Illinois is playing Ohio State this weekend. They'll probably lose there. Then they have Iowa after that. But if they can get a victory against Northwestern, I don't think the season is a lost cause. Like I think that's a good way to go out. Northwestern is red hot, and and I'm not trying to take away from what Northwestern has done. I just wanted to throw that out there before I forgot that Illinois and Northwestern. That should be an exciting game. That I would I would watch that game, depending um, you know how Northwestern is able to manage the rest of the schedule. But again, they should be able to win out or get to the Illinois game and, and still be undefeated at that point. So it, Northwestern's a team you, you want to watch out for. I mean, if we look at their schedule here real quick, you know, they played number 10 Wisconsin, got a, a good victory there. The rest of the teams on the on its schedule have kind of been underwhelming, um, underperforming, I would say. I mean, Iowa... That was a one-point victory that they got against the Hawkeyes on the road. And then they lost to, or I'm sorry, they, they blew out Maryland in the beginning of the season. Had that game been played this weekend or last weekend, I don't know that they would have won. I don't know that Northwestern would have blown them out the way that they did. I think Tonga Valoa, uh, the quarterback, is playing really well. He's coming into his own. So, you know, Northwestern was able to manage the schedule that it had. And so, you know... You got to win the games on your schedule, and Northwestern has done that. So they are are looking really great right now. One of the better teams in the in the Big Ten, certainly one of the bigger better teams in the Big Ten West. So you got to give props to Coach Fitzgerald and his his boys for winning the games on their schedule. I do want to talk about the Wisconsin game this past weekend and the fighting Reese Davises comment that was made by uh, Joey Galloway on ESPN. That inspired the Northwestern team, which is awesome. I mean, any way you're going to get inspired or anything that'll get you up for a game, you got to use that as motivation. And Coach 
Coach Pat Fitzgerald is a, a great motivator. They were able to use that comment, something that really seems kind of minor. I mean, it didn't in the, in the grand scheme of college football and a, and, a, and of life to be compared to Reese Davis is probably a good thing in most people's eyes. But if you're a college football team such as Northwestern, where you probably already get that rap of being nerds, Northwestern, you know, they have to be smart and they have to be able to play football. Most cases are probably smarter than they are good at football when thinking about other teams within the conference or the country. So they always have this rap that they're nerds or that they're, you know, not quite on the same level as other programs in the country. I'll put it like that. And so they made it, you know, Joey Galloway made a comment about, you know, they look more like Reese Davis's. Um, and that Pat Fitzgerald used that to inspire his team to get up and to win against Wisconsin. I mean, you saw the clip if you're watching ESPN all week. There were camera crews out there, and all week you hear the players and the coaches refer to each other as as Reese Davis. And so it, it seems kind of small. You know, I, I probably wouldn't use that as motivation, but Pat Fitzgerald did, and it got his team amped. They got him hype, and they won the game. And he was able to throw it back at Joey Galloway, throw it back at ESPN for making that comment. He's very protective of his players. And that's a good thing if you are a player under Pat Fitzgerald. Like you want a coach that you can, you know, use as that shield. He's taking the bullets. He's he's the guy that will make sure that, you know, you're not being taken advantage of or, you know, he's he's got your best interest at heart, or so it seems. And so, you know, if you're on the outside looking in, that seems kind of um kind of football y. You know, he he's he's a football coach in every sense of the word. Um and you know, that can kind of rub people the wrong way if you're not a part of the program. But if you are inside that program, I bet he treats those kids like players, like like their family. And I bet he's really protective of them, like a father figure or a big brother type. And so, you know, you got to be, you got to appreciate who this dude is for this program. I mean, he he is a great hire. And if you look at the whole, the whole tenure of Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, I mean, this, that's a success. He is a success. And I don't know what the next move is for Coach Fitzgerald. I, I know there have been reports in the past of him fielding calls from franchises in the NFL. And I, I think also being a potential candidate for the Michigan job at one point in the past. You know, I don't know if this guy wants to go anywhere. He's probably pretty comfortable in Evanston. I know he's got a young family that he's, you know, they've been raising there in Evanston. He's He is a wildcat through and through. So, I mean, if he wants to go somewhere else, I'm sure he could go. I don't know how effective he would be on the NFL level, if I'm being honest. I think he is a great hire for Northwestern because he gets the most out of his players and they play up. And the fact that they've been able to be so so productive in the Big Ten West and, and be so, so consistent it certainly isn't an understatement. It certainly should be appreciated. And I just, I'm just saying, I don't know if he has the tools that I that that I think could make him a great NFL coach. I mean, that's a hard transition. We've seen a lot of guys on the college ranks fail miserably in the NFL. I'm, I'm thinking about Coach Saban. I'm also thinking about Coach Steve Spurrier, like those guys who have run pretty successful programs. You know, in the SEC, we've seen those guys fail at the job in the NFL. So, you know, we'll, we'll be, I'll, I'll 
stay tuned, I mean, to see if he actually fields any offers in the NFL and, and decides to go. I don't think he will. But I just want to say shout out to Pat Fitzgerald for doing the damn thing in Evanston. His team got a tremendous victory this past weekend against Wisconsin. And I want to throw out this little stat for you all. In six seasons at Wisconsin, Paul Christ has three losses to Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. No other coach has more than two wins against Christ at Wisconsin. So hats off to Pat Fitzgerald and the Fighting Reese Davises. Then I want to call out real quick, Michigan survives a three-overtime scare against Rutgers. They win by a score of 48-42. Sophomore quarterback Cade McNamara, he may be the guy moving forward for that program. He went 27 for 36 passing for 260 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions. So he looks to be like he could be the guy at Michigan. And so hopefully... That provides some consistency for Michigan. Hopefully they can get on a little bit of a a tear here as they finish out the season. But I did want to call that out. Another team from the Big Ten, we had Penn State. They lost this weekend. They are 0-5 for the first time ever. Penn State's loss drops the Nittany Lions to 0-5 for the first time in its school history. With only four games left, Penn State is guaranteed a losing season for the first time since 2004 which ends a streak of 15 consecutive winning seasons. It was the nation's fourth longest current streak. So streaks and records are made to be broken. This one is going to be broken this year. And such a sad, sad state of events for Penn State. I can tell you the Penn State fans out here in Philly are devastated. It's just sad to see the program fall as fast as it did. You got to watch out for head coach James Franklin's seat. If it's hot, if it's warming, I, I bet it's uncomfortable. And so hopefully they can turn it around somehow, even though they will have a losing record and that's guaranteed. Then uh, I also want to call out the Florida State versus Clemson cancellation in the ACC. There are some tweets I want to read out to you all. This one coming from Brett McMurphy on Twitter. He said Clemson was informed about 8 a.m. on Saturday as players were at a team hotel coming down for breakfast that Florida State was not comfortable playing that game because of COVID concerns with Clemson. Pete Thamel on Twitter, who is a good follow, he had these tweets. And he said, The issue that Florida State medical officials had with Clemson's positive test is that the offensive linemen practice while symptomatic this week. He had been testing negative, but after he did test positive from the Friday test, there was concern that he'd been contagious. So... That was a scare for the program at Florida State. That would mean that Clemson, other Clemson linemen could potentially have COVID and hadn't tested positive yet. So for Florida State officials, that's a position group where the spread on the field is the biggest concern. Florida State officials were also concerned about the messaging to their own players, both about health and safety and looking hypocritical. Florida State has upheld stringent standards, including not letting players go home for break, Florida State's last positive test was coach Mike Norvell in September. Dabo Sweeney, the head coach for Clemson, he had some comments on this, and his comments were as follows. This game was not canceled because of COVID, Sweeney said. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. I have no doubt their players wanted to play and would have played, and the same with the coaches. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game, end quote. Florida State had declined to comment uh, on Sweeney's comments on Sunday, but Coach Mike Norvell said in a statement on Saturday that the school's first priority is the health 
of our student athletes, end quote. And I appreciate hearing that because as a head coach, your responsibility is to that team, to those young men, and to play the game with COVID potentially being a risk for both teams is really, really scary. I think a lot of people get caught up on the fact that the the survival rate is 90% or 99% or whatever the case may be. I don't know what the, the official number is, but we're getting caught up on the survival rate when we should be looking at what are the symptoms these people get when they get COVID? What is the harm that they could do that lingers with them long-term? Death is the worst case. I, I don't want anyone to die from this virus, but to live with this, to have symptoms ongoing, that's not something that I would want to take lightly. And that's not something that I would want to risk my players' safeties for or the coaching staff's safety for. And so I, I think Mike Norvell was being responsible. He is a guy that had COVID. He certainly doesn't want to put his players or his team or his staff in jeopardy or at risk. And Mike Norvell, he has, had another statement and he said, and I quote, I appreciate the protocols that have been put in place by Florida State and the ACC to ensure everyone's health while allowing us to play this season. It's unfortunate that we will not have the opportunity to compete today, but we hope to be able to play Clemson in December. I am thankful for the support and the coordination between our administration, Clemson, and the ACC office. Our team will now turn our focus to hosting Virginia next week. End quote. And it's crazy that Dabo Sweeney had those comments. I mean, because Trevor Lawrence was sick for like three weeks. He was out of action. And for him to just be like, you know, let's just play this game. They were ready to do it. Shame shame on FSU administration for canceling it. These players wanted to play. Yeah, kids want to play. Kids do stupid stuff all the time. This would have been a stupid decision to play considering you had a positive test. Florida State didn't want to take that risk. And so I can't blame them for doing what they did or having the feelings that they did about the prospect of playing. It, it, it frightened them. It made them nervous. It made them worried. And they have that right. You can either play, you can either not play, but for Dabo Sweeney to blast Florida State like that, I think that was really inappropriate. I think it was really short-sighted, and you know, shame on him for that. So we'll see if that game gets you know rescheduled in December. But I just I wanted to call that out because that was big news on Saturday this weekend. Some games real quick before we get out of here. Some games that you should watch this weekend: Notre Dame versus UNC. Notre Dame is ranked number two in the AP. UNC is number 25. I'm interested to see what Ian Book does against quarterback Sam Howell. This should be a great game between two top quarterbacks within the conference and in the country, if I'm being honest. So this will be an exciting game to watch this weekend. Then we have number 15, Iowa State versus number 20, Texas. We already saw Oklahoma upend Oklahoma State and ruin their chances of winning the conference this this season. Will Texas upset Iowa State? And I call it an upset because even though Iowa State is ranked above Texas in the standings and their first place in the conference right now, that's a big game for Iowa State to try to win on the road in Austin. So we shall see what happens in that game, but that should be a fun game, no doubt. Then we have Maryland versus Indiana. Talia Tangavaloa has been the most exciting player in the Big Ten this season, and Indiana has been one of the most fun teams to watch this season in the Big Ten. So this should be a great matchup. If you can believe it or not, which this seems crazy, what I'm about to say to you, Indiana is second place in the Big Ten East standings, and Maryland is third in the standings. These two teams are generally at the bottom of the conference. 
uh, year over year. And so the fact that they are at the top of the conference this season on the east side, I mean, that's got to be crazy. It's crazy what a year can do um, from one season to the next. So I'm excited for that game. Then we have in the Pac-12, Colorado versus number 19, USC. This is a first-place USC versus a second-place Colorado squad. In the Pac-12 South standings, both of these teams are undefeated. Then in the SEC, we've got number one Alabama versus number 22 Auburn. The Iron Bowl, this is a fun game to watch every season. And so this year should be no different. So those are some games to watch this weekend. It should be hopefully a fun uh, and exciting Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully you all take the precautions necessary to keep yourself safe, keep your family safe. And so I hope you have a great holiday season. This year, I, I wanted to do a little bit of traveling. I wanted to go back home to, sh- to the Chicagoland area for Thanksgiving, but things with COVID have gone left, have gone sideways. So I'll be staying home in Philly with my family. And it's crazy because we have so many restrictions in place in Pennsylvania. I know it's state by state, but in Pennsylvania, there's a, an order that was issued by the Sec- Secretary of Health requiring anyone who visits from another state to have a negative COVID test within 72 hours prior to entering the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If someone cannot get a test or chooses not to, they must quarantine for 14 days upon arrival in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's visiting other states are required to have a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours prior to the return to the Commonwealth or to quarantine for 14 days upon return to Pennsylvania. This does not apply to people who commute to and from another state for work or medical treatment. This order took effect on 12.01 a.m. Friday, November 20th. So those are the guidelines for Pennsylvania. They vary by state. So if you are going to travel, please make sure you find you know that, that state's Department of Health website to see what the restrictions may be. But if you're staying at home, you know, ho- hopefully you have a great Thanksgiving holiday. You stay safe. Hopefully you spend it with your friends and your family, um, and hopefully you take all the precautions necessary to to curb this spread. Um, wear your masks, wash your hands, wash your feet, do everything you need to do to uh, stay safe and to stay healthy, and hopefully next year by this time we can all have a great Thanksgiving amongst our friends and, and larger family groups, um, and so it it is unfortunate this year, but we'll get through it. We always do. And I hope you have a great uh, great time this week. I hope you enjoy watching college football this week. It'll, it'll start early, some of these games. I hope you enjoy watching the NFL. Um, there's some big games on Thanksgiving Day, no doubt. So I just I hope you, you're safe. I hope you're uh, healthy. Be kind to one another, and then we'll get through this. But I want to thank you all for listening to this show for this week. I appreciate all the downloads, all the support. If you want to interact with me, you can find me on Twitter at Cherry underscore Pickin. You can find all my content at CherryPickinSports.com. I hope you guys have a great holiday season, and I cannot wait to talk to you again soon. So with that, I will sign off, and I will sign out. Hope you guys have a great week. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. On the other side of the ball, Indiana's Ty Freifogel. That name will never not be great. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. 
That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.